0: So I'm sorry to report to my friends in Chicago the nightmare continues.
1: Chicago Tribune sports page, really? Column by Stephen Rosenblum. Steve Rosenblum, you know him? Never heard the name before yet. Steve Rosenblum. I think Chance the Rabbi is the way to go. Brian Peruk. (laughs) Well, when's he coming back? I said, do you want to come back? And it was an emphatic, no. There you go. Well, we're glad he misses us. Where's Grody? Sitting in for Mark Grody, who's sitting in for Brian Peruk, it's Mike Esposito.
0: I almost put that in my update just so I could say Esposito in the update again, but I didn't.
1: They suck, so you don't have to. I can promise
0: you this. When this show is over, we will tweet out an apology to our listeners. For some reason.
1: And they sing. Take the last train to Turdsville and we'll meet you at the station. Take the last train to Turdsville. They're in need of sanitation, don't you know? Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. And they won't stop singing. Neato. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's a master's course in stupid. You're tapping two kegs of stupid and it is really flowing.
0: Yeah, I, I don't, and uh, yeah. Uh, I I got into journalism because I was told math was not uh, part of it. They have celebrity rebukes. This is Wayne Mesmer, Senior Executive Vice President of the Wolves. You know, in all my years involved in sports and
2: many teams, I have never been involved with something that sucks so
0: badly.
1: The three words that best describe this show are as follows, and I quote,
0: Stink, stank, stunk.
2: It's Rosenblum and Esposito on WSCR 670 The Score.
1: We should be 670 WSUK. Good morning, welcome in. Steve Rosenblum, Mike Esposito. It's Saturday suckage, but the weather sucks, so at least we have that. But the energy here at the Sheraton Grand for the Cubs convention, where me and Mike Esposito will be broadcasting live for the next three hours, a full bowl, this is unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's fantastic. It's one of my favorite weekends every year, and it's
0: darn good to be back
1: sucking along on Saturdays with you, buddy. I guess we should explain. Mike Esposito yes. is Hi. sitting in for Matt Spiegel. Yes, who is sitting in for Mike Esposito? Correct. Who is sitting in for Grody? Uh, uh, no, no, for Jor- Schuster. Schuster, who is sitting in for Jordan Burnfield. who is sitting in for Grody. Yes, who is sitting in for Randazzo? Who is sitting in for Brian Peruk. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you still cross paths with Brian
0: Peruk? And I still Bri- wish he'd
1: never left.
0: Yes, I see Brian all the time. Uh, our children are in uh, school together. And I just saw, actually this week, Wayne Randazzo is the new radio
1: play-by-play man for the Mets. Good for him. So at this point, Saturday Suckage has sent uh, Saturday Suckage alums yes. have a World Series ring. Correct. And a full-time job broadcasting for the Mets, who, by the way, were in the news with the Cubs this week. Yes, they were. That was a thing, huh? That was a thing. And they and, and they blown have up all over the place. Too. Silly
0: Davis is their new hitting coach, uh, the Mets uh, thing. So, yeah, you have you have Wayne doing that. Uh, bro- the afore- aforementioned Brian Peruk doing very well for himself as well. They're on the FM dial. Uh, Grody is the sideline reporter for the Bears and has a World Series ring. And Jordan is Mr. Play-by-Play man all over my college games everywhere. So what's wrong
1: with me, I guess, is the question. What's going on here? You're back here working the convention, the Cubs convention. (laughs) All of this coverage is sponsored by Tito's Handmade Vodka, America's original craft vodka. When you're at the Cubs convention, stop by Lizzie McNeil's Irish Pub. It's next door to the Sheraton. Get your Tito specials all weekend long. We have quite a show that we do. This is, this again, this is going to blow up the idea of Saturday Suckage. But at 1130, Len Casper will be here. Len Casper, the Cubs radio uh, TV play-by-play broadcaster will be here. He'll be joining us. At noon, Jason Hayward. I told my daughter, who, who listens out in L.A. on Radio.com mm-hmm. and who... Who has the Cubs, the Cubs MLB app to watch the games as well? And I said, we're supposed to have Jason Hayward at, at noon. And she said, Oh God, tell him I love him. You know what? That's the first thing I'm going to do, Ali. I it, actually just... own I own a Jason Hayward Blue Road Cubs jersey,
0: and I know I can't wear it as as we are here respected non fan media members. But you know when I go sit we're, in the seats, we're what? I, I do have, I do own, I am the proud owner of a Jason Hayward blue Cubs Road jersey. Right. I have my... But
1: you said something about respected media well, members. that yeah. an
0: oxymoron. I, I have my extremely old Sean Dunstan Cubs jersey. I rotate that one in every once in a while. I have an Andre Dawson. I have a. I have a bunch of them, right? I'm a long-time guy. Uh-huh. But I've kind of figured it would probably not be a good idea to wear my Jason Hayward jersey with Jason Hayward coming on as a guest. Just, Why not? That was just a
1: thought. You, could, you know what? You know what we really need? We need to put... Grody in your Jason Hayward jersey. <laughs> yes. And have him sit here interview Jason Hayward like Chris Farley. Remember remember sure. that time you hit the grand slam right. against the Phillies? And it was yeah. a walk-off. That was great. It was awesome. Yeah. That's what we needed. At 12:30 Ryan Sandberg will be here. He's pretty good too. I've heard. Yes. And you know what? Bob Costas retired. He left NBC this week. Not retired. He left NBC. Mm-hmm. Does that, uh, that... Bob Costas is always going to be with Ryan Sandberg for me. Yo, from the home, the Bruce Suter game. Absolutely. No, or it's the, the Ryan S- it's Sandberg. I'm going to tell on you. you just, well, it's the Ryan it, Sandberg. It is the Ryan Sandberg game. game. And I remember recently, before I left the Tribune, we had come across... It was the Bulls were starting the 20th anniversary season, right, since the last championship. Got it. And and what a disaster that's become. Thank You know what? John Paxson should thank and Gar Foreman should thank God that every Reinsdorf in the world is inept and inert. Oh, boy. But this was 20 years Mm -hmm. since Jordan hit the shot. And it was Costas who did that. And I said, I proposed it to Costas' office. I've talked to him before, and I said, can you run down your top five or ten broadcasting moments? What you did. You're doing play-by-play, not at the Olympics where you're recapping. I said, you're on the mic, if you remember the call, if you remember. He said, yeah, give me a couple days. So I did. He called me early. I found out he's not a morning person. Jordan's call was number one in his on his list. On his personal top five. For the way it resounded. I mean, because it was sure. such a, a professional moment and such a historic moment. Yep. Sandberg was second. He said 20 years later, more than 20 years later, I'm in, I'm walking down the street, a guy will yell out of a cab Hey, Bob, the Sandberg game. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I had I've had the good fortune to fill in when Zach Zaidman needs a breather or has a, a holiday or whatever. Oh yes, I have filled in in the Cubs booth with Pat and Ron. It is one of my favorite things to do, and I'm grateful that I've been able to do it a few times. But the last time I was there, uh, this past September, MLB Network was down the hallway from us, and Bob Costas was there, and he came over to talk and say hi to Pat and Ron. And I'm, just a, costas. and I'm just a fly on the wall listening to this conversation. But he he mentioned the same thing. We got on the topic of people of Chicago. He's like, I can't walk outside this ballpark. Right. And I automatically get, hey, Sandberg game. It's like they don't even say
1: his name. It's just Sandberg game. It's like, there he is. He's right there for you. Right. So with him leaving, we'll talk. To, and remember, we had Ryan on the show on the anniversary of that game. We, it fell on a Saturday, yeah, and the game was played on a Saturday. It was the game of the week. Yes, and it was. That was another thing Costas mentioned about the importance of the Sandberg game. Because you go back to 1984, Ryan Sandberg, MVP, right? 1984, right? Correct. His breakout season. Right. And those two home runs off the, the best relief pitcher in the game at the time. That was the only way you could see a game out of market. Correct. And that was national. That's what everybody across, across the country was watching. So it, it resounded in a way that nobody the millennials can understand. I mean if no. you were if you were to say something like to my kids and you say, Okay, VHS, they would go, why why are you saying letters of the alphabet? They would have no idea. Did you see the gag? I saw this on social media this week. The
0: uh, somebody had teenagers trying to dial a rotary phone. Did you see that one? No, I did not. Oh, it was
1: precious. Yes, they had no. They no, <laughs> not figure out uh, how to dial what is a rotary this? phone. Yeah, is there? It's kind of like a joy buzzer at the end. They're, joy buzzer. That's another thing. Try saying that to a kid. So that was. So when we get, I remember we talked to him, and he was. The details are so, everything was still so crisp when we did it this summer. Last summer, I'm sorry. So 24 years, 34 years. How, I can't do the math. 94, 34. 04, 14. Okay, 34 years. And it was that day. And he came on. He talked about it. And it was just exactly what exactly what you you
0: would have gotten like right after a game. And in my childhood baseball brain, I was I was eleven, almost twelve, in the summer of eighty four, and I remember the season vividly. But I remember that day vividly. I remember being in, sitting in front of my house with the radio on, listening to that game, and then coming in to watch and seeing the uh, the home runs and the extras. I remember it vividly. It's it's one of my, you know, you don't remember specific games necessarily, especially regular season games. I remember that day very vividly.
1: So do you have a Sandberg? shirt or jersey you can sit here and goober all over him
0: when he comes i do not but so because i've gotten to do cubs pre and post rhino is the post game guest uh-huh. a lot of times so he'll sit in the booth with me so now it's like oh hey mike and it's like hey rhino you know old wow. pal oh you guys are buds. oh that's right well, you we'll guys are money when, he, when well, he comes up here you know the the four or five times i've done it i'm sure he considers me a close personal friend now so you know yeah
1: sure he does okay and so rhino will be here at 12 30 and at one o'clock Pat Hughes just voted the best broadcaster in Illinois for like the 7000th time. Can't we and just rename that the Pat Hughes Award? Yeah, he's he's uh, he will be headed to the Hall of Fame. I don't see how you deny him the Ford Frick the the for the years he's worked in in Milwaukee, the years he's worked in Chicago, the professionalism, the and 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 I keep thinking of—I grew up with Vince Scully,
0: the and, best of the best.
1: Yes. And one of the things that jumped out at me when I started listening to Pat, and still makes a, still leaves a mark, still leaves a, a, a resonates with me, is that Vince Scully said when he first started, it was twenty twenty-one in New York, and Red Barber was the—he ran the booth in New in Brooklyn. He said, if Vince Scully came upstairs and didn't have a piece of information about why a guy wasn't in the lineup or what, something. Red Barber was sending him back down that You better get that. I don't care how you do. You better get that. <laughs> and get to work, kid. He fancied himself a reporter. And that's exactly what Pat Hughes does. Yep. Pat Hughes is a magnificent wordsmith. In a different way that Mike Emmerich, who, who is one of the best going, he's certainly a Hall of Famer. And Pat, uh, Pat Hughes is a, a reader. He's a wonderful wordsmith. He is a terrific reporter. De- attention to the details are everything.
0: And you mentioned wordsmith. He signs
1: on and off. This is Pat Hughes reporting. Yes. That's what he does. That's what he does. So that's our lineup for today. Shane Reardon is here muscling up on people on site. Zach Withers and later Adam Stadzinski will be producing. Brian Gurch is here. And lucky for you people, in a true Saturday suckage tradition, actually respecting Saturday suckage, they're they're not televising anything unless it involves a guest. Smartly. And who's our engineer? I forgot his name. I'm old. It's not Dave Miska. Ray Elizondo. Ray Elizondo. Ray, sorry and all of the many Elizondos out there. And there's Spilkis running around and he's giving the guys the finger and he's going like that. So we'll, um, we will have those guests. And I, there's the first point I want to get to, I'm not sure when we have to break, but the first point I want to get to is ask you, Mr. Cubs season ticket holder. The lack of activity in the off season represents to you Fill in the blank. Okay. I can handle that. Now, fill in the blank. I'm
0: good. With, I, I'm not good with it is the wrong word. I understand it. I know the why of it. What do you I, believe to be the I, why I remember, of it? I remember last year, it was a Saturday right before spring training, and you and I had just finished our show Oh, Speculating it's- about what the Cubs might do, and then all of a sudden
1: they signed you Darvish. And it was like, oh, you Darvish. It was the auto show. I was getting That's out of right. p- car in the parking lot. You go, hey, Cubs just signed you Darvish. Oh, my day's not over. That's
0: right. We had just signed off the air. Well, so I understand it. I knew without being told, just knowing the, the finances and the, that tax level, what the Cubs were likely to be doing this offseason was what they're doing, is a whole lot of nothing, although Theo says maybe some bullpen moves coming up. I'm sure if he could trade some salary that is less attractive than some of the free agent guys out there. But, you know, the Bryce Harper pipe dream I don't think was ever going to happen. And and explain to me this, I guess it's position-related, but we've heard a ton on the Cubs side about Bryce Harper, but almost nothing about Machado. And I assume that's because Machado is an infielder, and the Cubs don't need infielders. But you always need talent. They always Correct.
1: They collect shortstops and then figure out where to play them. Why not? So I, and and again, there's a, a mystery team. If you listen to Machado's dad was quoted, Ever, as, there's always a mystery team. We, we've learned that over well, the years. Here's here's something I saw this week. Um, the so there have been various reports of a mystery team. Manny Machado's father said, I believe that the team you will probably less think about is the one that's going to sign Manny Machado. Which might be the White Sox. It, uh,
0: that's what I was going to say. That could be the White
1: Sox. Here, Yanks, you're <clears throat> the rest um, of their family is already on the White Sox, so John, well, why not? John Heyman, Van Rag Sports, uh, tweeted out that he's heard indeed there's a mystery team in the Derby. Uh, also recently heard the team had the high bid. It may not be high enough. So Emma Bacalari at... Sports Illustrated, she She listed her mystery team. Catching is Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> At first base is Nancy Drew. Second base, Hercule Poirot. Third base, Encyclopedia Brown. Shortstop, Jake Gyllenhaal and Zodiac. I like that movie. Left field, Hardy Boy 1. Center field, Hardy Boy 2. And in right field, Columbo. So that's her mystery that's, team, which that's, I, that's a, I just love that. That's a lot of ground to cover for Colombo. So obvious. I don't it's, think Colombo could cover all that ground out in right field. You know, but he can always stop and come back that's and right. get it. That's right. Steve Rosenblum, Mike Esposito, broadcasting live from the Cubs Convention. Cubs Convention coverage is sponsored by Tito's Handmade Vodka, America's original craft vodka. Bottom of the hour, we will be talking with Len Casper. Cups tv broadcaster he will stop by we're in the lobby we're watching this long line snake I g- is this the hall of fame lane i believe of of andre line? dawson
0: is signing uh directly in that room in front of us and i believe that is what the line is
1: snaking for
0: it's the but hall I of see fame all line. the
1: names i see
0: yeah fergie's there and
1: and hawk is there when we walked in it was hawk i don't know if it still is but i believe it is All right, we'll take a break when we come back. We'll make sure we have time for Len Casper, Rosenblum, and Esposito Saturday Suckage, but it's gonna be hard with the energy and excitement of Cubs Convention here at the Sheraton Grand. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. Hey, look who's here. See how that's timing. Look who's an entrance. That's a broadcaster. That's a professional. Ladies and gentlemen, Len Casper joining us here. On our stage, as we try to rope in the people in line to get the Hall of Famers, don't I feel small? <laughs> Welcome,
2: great to be here, Steve. How are you? Good What's to up see you, Len.
1: We're doing good. Thank you for joining I, us. I,
2: I listen a lot, and uh, I don't know if I've ever been on your show. Have I?
1: No, um, not Saturday Suckage. You've had more sense than that. Okay, but no, he I, has. To be in the building, and they roped you in, and the energy. Yeah, I I'm wasn't. Not...
2: I wasn't asked about this one. This was you on were my told? list. No, I would have done it. I would have done it, of course.
0: I recall us having an on-the-air discussion about tears for fears. Everybody wants to rule the world at yeah. some point. Your walk-up music, I believe, we asked you. It's great. And that was your selected walk-up music.
2: Yeah, just it's my era and uh, just puts me in that happy place, you know. I think life has lived as like a 12 to 13-year-old. Everything that was good then kind of remains better than everything the rest of, of your life. That's why... I'm a big uniform guy, and that's kind of a big Twitter thing I get. I go off on is uniforms, and like when NHL teams wear vintage unis from like 1984, I'm like, that should be the uniform they wear forever.
1: The uniforms NHL teams should wear should all have the ties. Yeah, that those, was are, the nice. <laughs> those are nice. Coolest thing ever. So the 80s yeah. was your sweet spot yeah. for for Just uniforms. About everything. So because a lot of people my age will say. They never wanted to wear the astros starburst but they always remembered it much like in the 80s they remember the vancouver canucks yeah the v the the big v V uniforms yeah so what was your uniform of the 80s i have so many i mean i would
2: just say i am going to answer that in a general way Uh, i like the three stripes uh, uh nfl uniforms the bears have it with the blue and the orange on the pants uh, the Lions used to have it. They don't have it anymore. The Saints have that stripe on their helmet, mm-hmm. but they don't have it on the pants, and it bothers me. Uh, the Cowboys, the 49ers. You like just in your uniform? Yeah, there's, right. just, there's, there's, <laughs> some, there's something cool about that look with, like, the, the thick red stripes with the white stripe in the middle on the gold pants of the 49ers. I just think that really pops out. So we were talk- but, we're, but we're here to talk baseball, right?
1: No, we're here to, okay. sure. we're here to talk whatever. <laughs> we're spraying <laughs> all fields today. Okay. Yeah, I got you. The the um, Cubs convention began with again, Theo there was sort of an air of accountability, an air of understanding of, of we didn't do anything. And I went back to Mike was just talking about that we did a show last year after the auto show. We get out of the car, we're done with the show, and the Cubs signed you Darvish. And I went and wrote on that and I remember writing, This is a world this is a team that just won the World Series oops, babe, all right, that didn't age well. But with what happened last year, 95 wins, spite and you go back and you, let's presuming everybody, everything's going to be healthy. And even if they're not, Theo rallies better than anybody during a season that I've seen. So last year's team needs to win this year's World Series, the way I look at it. So I'm better, I, I'm not angry in a rare spasm of calm. Do you look at it that way, or how well, are you viewing what's going I, on?
2: I just think 2018 was incredibly fascinating. It was very frustrating. Uh, there's so much nuance here. Uh, when Theo, in, in the panel I just did with him, talked about it, it it was all of it. There were so many good things, the 95 wins, blah, 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 but you're left with this emptiness of the last three days, and the last two in particular where the Brewers celebrate on, on your field and then the next night the Rockies do. And where do you go from there? And in a vacuum, if that had been 2015, totally different, right? Wow, they overachieved, young club, they got to the wild card game. This is the start of something. But coming two years after a World Series title and after three consecutive NLCS uh, trips, to have it end with a thud... And the Cubs went, I think, 16 and 12 in September. It was really more about how well the Brewers played. But as Theo said, when you felt like the season came down to 90 feet, it was like one swing of the bat. If you could have won one game before the Monday uh, or, or won the game Tuesday night with a big hit in the wild card game, now you're guaranteed to play for at least another week. He said that's... Winning is a deodorant. You can cover up all the things. So when you win the World Series, you don't nitpick all the things that didn't go right. Because when your season comes down to 90 feet, that's the perfect time to nitpick because one little thing could have changed everything. So sometimes it's, that's the way the ball bounces. I think Theo has chosen to view it this way. Let's do everything in our power to work on the margins and make sure that next year we get that extra 90 feet. We find a way to get into the next round however we do it.
0: It, it was very Bears-esque. I mean, the Bears finish was much the same. I think fans expected right. this point. to yep. to continue, right? I mean, this was a team you followed every step of the way. They exceeded expectations, probably should have won the game. You had the kick thing and everything else. But, but with the Cubs, you had the Bryan injury, and he was never really himself. The Darvish stuff with the injury, Chatwood. I mean, all of the various moves that you thought would improve you. And I know we were both, as Steve just said, the, the day they signed Darvish, we were on the air. That was like, holy cow, that's right. you know, this is a great signing. And I did see his comments from yesterday where he said he's feeling night and day from last year, he's gonna start throwing again. He should be full go by beginning of the season and for spring training. In your in your baseball mind, keeping all of the injury stuff out of it, do you think that this is going to be is he going to be able to start and just be a part of this rotation without limitations?
2: I have no idea. My hunch would be no, not early. Uh, I think it is going to be a process, and I think the difference uh, between last year and this year in regards to uh, you, Darvish, is last year you're counting on 30 starts, top three guy in your rotation, dominate people uh, at every turn. This year, I think you go in very cautiously, and you make sure you're covered if it doesn't go well, and you hope that he gets back and is healthy. That's the first thing, right, is you got to make sure the guy is completely healthy. Then you can start to count on production. But I I don't think the Cubs look at it that that he'll be in the opening day rotation and going to take the ball and throw 110 pitches on uh, March 31st. If there is a March thirty first,
1: is there March thirty first? I don't know, I but maybe there is, if He's going to throw one hundred and ten pitches. I it would will be March March thirty second. Yes, yes. That's right.
2: so that's right. Uh, to answer your question, hopefully, but I think I think you with with Morrow and Darvish, I, I think you just whenever they're back, they're back.
1: We're talking with Len Casper, Cubs broadcaster, and we are at the Cubs convention at the Sheraton Grand. Convention coverage sponsored by Tito's Handmade Vodka, America's original craft vodka. I I root for... Oh, I
2: have been on before, I've been told. You have? Yes, I'm looking at the computer. Len has been on before. I do remember
0: we did have a conversation because you remember we were letting everyone do their walk-up music. And I I do remember our Tears for Fears conversation. So that was it. That's what sticks out to me, yes. Must have been memorable.
1: (laughs) 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 Well, at least (laughs) nobody held it against you. Right, exactly. You invited me back. I root for stories. I always did root for stories, but it was an occupational hazard. And I really thought, and I want to get, how do you balance rooting for a story when you see... Jason Hayward hit that grand slam against Philly. David Bodie, the grand slam. I mean, that's down three, the ultimate kind of grand slam. Right. Which might have been the last time the Cubs got a clutch hit. Right. In that se- but right, right. but I root for stories and I look at that kind of narrative. You have to balance that. And metrics bring you back to that. Do you fall into that? Do you protect yourself oh. from falling into that? Because... I think it's really romantic.
2: Narratives in in baseball, in particular, it's it's everything. And I, I think the more I've done this, the the less I I blend in in terms of the sabermetric stuff. I think there was a, a period of time, maybe early uh, after Theo took over when the Cubs weren't very good we had a lot of time to, to talk about this stuff yeah, but it was a little bit more of
1: like from opening day. educating
2: all of us and I was I would say educating myself not as much as the fans but just on, on the numbers that matter um, but I, I think now in terms of stats and and how teams go about their business if you can blend that into a narrative uh, I think it goes over much better in a broadcast And, you know, that's how Vince Scully always did it, right? He Mm -hmm. told stories. So for me, I'm always uh, looking for a good story, no question about it.
0: Yep. The free agency uh, period, which is still going on, and we'll see how it winds up. Certainly the big names still out there with uh, Bryce uh, and Manny Machado still out there. But we heard some of the players comment on it yesterday just about the – the way it's changed from how it had worked in the past, and specific to, to several things: one, the the longer term in terms of years deals, and number two, just the premium. And I mean, we see the Yankees; it seems like they signed a relief pitcher every other day. They've got a, a stacked bullpen. A lot of guys they've added there. In, in your mind, is this a just a changing of how executives are looking to put teams together and what they're willing to commit? You know, are they going to say, "Hey, ten-year contracts"? Why would we do that anymore? Is that something that's here to stay in your mind? Well, I,
2: it, it it does go in cycles, and you tend to have these this glacial movement uh, in the game where you see subtle changes, and then all of a sudden everybody starts to kind of view it similarly. And the last two off seasons have been really weird in that a lot of great free agents have had to sit around and wait uh, until spring training or, in some cases, even into April. Um, it used to be, as Theo said, again, in, in the, the panel we just did, You you go into an offseason, you go, we need a shortstop, we need a left-handed setup guy, and we need a backup outfielder. And you went out and you signed those three guys, or you traded for them, and you were done. And it sometimes didn't matter how much money or how many years. Well, now it's just such a science that I think you can plug a lot of stuff into a computer and it comes back, don't pay more than this amount, (laughs) right? And I think they stick
1: They're different colors. It pops up in different colors. They
2: stick very close to that.
1: It's like blood tests. Right.
2: And then every once in a while, you roll the dice, and you go, you know what? John Lester, we're going to give him six years. We hope his arm holds up, and we feel that this is the right thing at the right time for this franchise. And it's turned into, thankfully, arguably the greatest free agent signing in the history of the the Cubs, Mm -hmm. and one of the greatest in Chicago sports history, considering the outcome uh, two years after he signed. So... You, Darvish, Tyler Chatwood, first year, it didn't work out. Uh, thankfully, they'll have their chance to get it back to where the Cubs thought they would be when they signed them. But it, it's a science that, that doesn't often produce the results that you want, unfortunately. But that's the beauty of sports—you never know, right? right?
1: You never know. And I think fa- I think Theo once famously was quoting. <clears throat> Tom Cruise and Risky Business. I can't say the line here, but sometimes, Joel, you just got to say what the... Right. And there. some of the signings in Boston were like that. Theo went through this in Boston. Theo and Jed. 2004. Break the curse. Right? you long, At long last. Five. Disappointing. Six. Disappointing. We're following that. We're watching him relive that. And now here you are the fourth year. They won it in 07, does he talk about that? Has he drawn any parallels as you heard? I, I've not I, heard him I do that. I have
2: not. And and really, after he left, didn't they go first to last to first? The they Bobby did. Valentine year, they finished last. Right. So, so if you're a Cub fan, think about what the Red Sox fans went through. Right. They had it's that...
1: Qu- quite the roller coaster. And, I mean, literally right, went to yeah. last
2: place and then came back and won the World Series. So, the Cubs, if you bottom out at 95, you feel a heck of a lot better, but I'm just adding some perspective to it, is all. Because, yeah, some other teams have to go way down to come back up, and you hope that that doesn't happen in this case.
0: Bottom of the hour brought to you by Northwestern Basketball. Don't miss Northwestern Basketball at the new Welsh Ryan Arena this season. Single game tickets are available for Penn State, Rutgers in Minnesota, and Ohio State by now at nusports.com. And, and Len, that's exactly, as a, as a lifelong born-and-raised Cubs fan, what I try to keep in mind as I'm gauging success and failure of a season is that the last four seasons I mean this is the greatest stretch of Cubs baseball I've ever seen in my life and I know most of our Cubs fans have seen in their lives so while I'm upset they didn't go further last season I cannot be upset necessarily with a 95 win first place team and that just is not something that I can be that down about especially when we've seen this same group Play as well as they have in the past. Yeah,
2: I think that's right, Mike. And, you know, traveling with a team every day, it's almost like you have two two parts of your brain because I I think the big picture, you you hit it right on the head, but I think the small picture is you you should have been really upset after the Cubs petered out basically at the end. They they were upset. The fans should have been upset. It felt at that moment like it was a total, utter failure. But when you travel with a team, uh, and this is hard for what Steve you did for decades is try to write these big picture narratives based on the last three hours or the last three days <laughs> <laughs> when, it, when, it, when, when now we sit here in January and you look back and at something that happened last April and they all haunt you right it didn't matter right No, no, like, it didn't. like some awful game or some great game and the big picture doesn't matter and when you travel with a team you learn that very quickly uh, with Zach Zaidman who had been with the Bears for so long that was a big adjustment for him it's like we got a game tomorrow Yes. Not next Sunday, mm-hmm. so we're not going to spend the next week doing this. Picking it apart. We have a game tomorrow. Parsing it. Yeah. So players, and I think people who travel with a team, the day-to-day stuff really doesn't affect you like it does a fan. But it's the end of the season where the players, like Theo talked about, there were guys crying in the clubhouse. They were really ticked off. They were angry. They were shocked. Uh, I, I think it would have been fascinating to have a camera in there and to really see just how devastated those players were when all of a sudden their season was over. I think that whole season of, of trying to remain even kind of builds up to that moment, and it's either elation or total dejection.
1: I covered teams that have gone through something similar, and my feeling was, looking back now, the macro view is, players take that day-to-day approach, there's another game, yeah. And and they're kind of hiding whatever doubt they have because there's another game, right? But when there's not another game, it all comes out. They've been building up. They've been they've been sitting on it. They would they would not let it show because there was another game, another chance, and that's what happens at the end. I used to say a hockey season was never official until I saw a sutter cry. Right. In the playoffs, right. it wasn't officially over, and then one of them right. was always crying. But they would be the stiffest of lips because that's the way that family was in that sport. And I think the Cubs went through that.
2: Yeah, I, I think they did.
1: Let me ask you something, since I'm unfamiliar with the all of the the oeuvre that is Tommy Hotovy. What
2: can you share with us? We're really smart. Uh, really connects well with the players. Has a very close relationship with Joe. Uh, every day when, when Ron Coomer and, and I and, and if JD wants to pop in or Pat we meet with Joe, invariably Tommy would walk in with Joe's cheat sheet. Uh, that will not be Tommy's job anymore, but it was basically uh, how to set up hitters on, on the other team, uh, you know what changes to make in terms of uh, pinch hit here or there. So he was really strategically very important. Uh, I think a lot of that will continue. very confident guy. I, I love the idea of promoting from within. Usually when changes like this are made with a, with a position that's really important, like pitching coach, you go out and you get somebody who has experience from some other place. But I think there were other teams who wanted Tommy as their pitching coach, and I think it's just a great sign that they were able to promote from within. I think it's a really good thing organizationally.
0: And, and we've heard, Joe, as we, as we enter spring training a few weeks from now, I, I imagine you'll be heading down to Arizona and the Cubs will be down there. Joe's contract is up after the season. He says, not even a thing. Don't right. worry about it. He's confident in everything. Is is your biggest storyline heading into Arizona, is it health for this team?
2: The biggest storyline, yeah, probably. I think we want to see how Chris Bryant reacts with the shoulder. Uh, That's
1: the off-season signing. Chris Bryant, there's your off-season signing. And you, Darvish
0: and Tyler Chatwood, if they come in and produce as expected last year, then that is. I mean it's the yeah. old cliche right that you know the injured guy comes back and well hey there's your free agent Trade, okay
2: yeah. yeah health probably is the big question because right now as we sit here again a month before the game start there aren't a lot of decisions to be made we kind of know the rotation mm-hmm. we kind we basically know the starting lineup we basically know what the bullpen's going to look like there'll be some tweaks here or there but it's it's
1: pretty set uh, before we we dismiss the starting lineup before we let you go do we have enough information post Dexter Fowler about the value of a leadoff guy for Joe's team. I, I'm not looking to royal anyone. I'm not looking to put blood in anyone's urine. I'm just simply bringing it up because it had been a point of contention, and I don't know if we have enough time or distance, or if there are metrics that tell us that this is a a terrible spot for the Cubs. They're better off with one guy. That one guy happened to be terrific. Where do you? What do you think? Well, I'll tell you where I sit. Just look at the
2: overall number at the end of the year, and I don't think it really matters how many guys do it. If you have a leadoff on-base percentage of 360, it's good. Whether that's a combination of Rizzo, Pap, Zobrist, Descalzo, Schwarber, (laughs) Baez. Best leadoff hitter in history, Anthony Rizzo. There he
0: is.
2: That's the way I look at it, Steve. I don't know that I'm Right. No, but, but I, I But I, I, I do think when you look at when the Cubs won the World Series they had one guy who did it all year. Right. He was really good at it. I,
1: and that that's so a, I, I can't answer that. That's a championship bias. But you right. wanna you wanna mar- you wanna follow championship teams. That's why I bring that up. Hap was three fifty three. By the way, talk about the narrative. He hits the first pitch of last season mm-hmm. for, for a, a home, home run. run. I mean that starts my narrative I go, Oh no. Was Hap's
2: on base as a leadoff hitter three fifty three? Yeah. It's
1: pretty good. Yeah. We'll take that, right? Well, was it? A, I wrote it down 353 is on base percentage, and I, I, I have to go back and clarify whether it was on leadoff or overall, but still, still, it's good. You're getting that kind of production from yeah. Joe's always believed in him. Joe's liked mm-hmm. that combination power, it's very athletic, bat, yes, speed, and whatever he could yeah. do, and he believes in him. And I thought Kyle Schwarber was a much better player, much better at taking walks after he came back from the minors.
2: I'll tell you what. Here's, here's, a, here's a good one for you. Uh, I think it was after the World Series. Yeah, so it was the Cubs convention two years ago. This puts it in perspective. I was talking to Ian yesterday. Mm-hmm. He, he, he was the Cubs' first-round pick in 2015. So he said, so basically, I'm kind of the – and, and fans were really into the, the big picks and the, and the big prospects. The Cubs called him and said, we don't need you at the convention. We just won the World Series. So this is 2 years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he he was on the radar. We got
1: a bigger name on yep. the other line. He was he was
2: on the radar in terms of, you know, fans knew the name. Right. But he was not a big leaguer 2 years ago and they they were like we don't need you here. We we've got enough. And he was like, okay, fine. But, like, he showed up that, that year in 2017. He's just getting started.
1: I, I understand. And
0: Joe's believed he in really him. Is. Joe's
1: believed in him a lot.
0: And Theo, I know uh, a season ago, Bruce and I had Theo on Inside the Clubhouse, and we asked him, who do you, you know, give us a breakout candidate for the year, and he mentioned Ian Happ. That was the first guy that he said, and then he did. He hit the first, first pitch special. out for a home run. And it's right. like, hey,
1: the guy knows what he's talking about. Yep. All right, Len, we really appreciate you. My pleasure. By. This was a lot of fun. Enjoyed it. So, thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Rosenblum. Len you. Casper. Thank you, Len. Cubs broadcaster. We'll take a break. We'll come to be at the top of the hour. Jason Hayward will be here. He'll be thrilled to know my daughter loves him. Rosenblum and Esposito, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. so Allie, my baby doll, was thanking me for the shout-out that she loves Jay Hay. Via Twitter? No, via text. Got it. And then wanted me to ask Len who his fave seventh-inning singer was. So I'm sorry, I, I don't look at my phone when we do interviews. I look at my guest. Correct. And he's great. I love talking with Len. I just love, he straddles that. The I, And that's why I asked him about the narratives and... And metrics, because metrics are just cold, unemotional Numbers. numbers. And the narratives, there's humans, there's romance, there's stories. And he, he does a great job of mixing those. He was very, very progressive and aggressive in incorporating them into Cubs broadcasts, he and JD. And now there's different kinds of stories to tell. And that's a, that's a tough thing to... Len does a really good job of, of juggling that, of mixing them in, and he talked about that.
0: And, and think about this, too, and I certainly don't want Len to uh, be embarrassed that I'm putting him and Vince Scully in the same sentence, but as young as Len came to the Cubs... He still looks young today. He, Well, he does, and he is. I mean, but he has a chance to be one of those decades long assuming he wants to keep doing it i would assume the cubs want to keep him there he does a fantastic job he could be here for 35 40 years doing cubs games and it's been and always look like america's teenager correct he's been here what 15 years already
1: he, he, exactly he looks I like i don't know just how many in. Been, a lot. It's uh, been a lot i want to i want to make sure you note this tomorrow on the score there's football Sorry, Bears fans. It is football. It's bare weather outside, actually. It is. This really is. Um, Tomorrow is going to be single digits. Um, The number of Bears fans who are happy will be single digits, too, I'm sure. (laughs) That's right. But we have the uh, AFC and NFC Championship games on the score for you starting at 1. Rams at Saints. be the first game 1 o'clock on the score, followed by Pats and Chiefs. The Rams fans... Are petitioning to get the referee assigned to the game, unassigned to the game. Bill Vinovich apparently, <clears throat> they blame Ram fans blame him for losing every game he he referees or his crew
0: referees. So what? Th- what is their record in Vinovich Vinovichian games? I guess would be
1: the uh... they've gone zero and eight since twenty twelve. <2012. laughs> And now they're going as if going into this into New Orleans in the Dome isn't tough enough. But I don't know if you saw this on. People are always messing around with with Wikipedia. You see changes in there, Uh right? So the New England Patriots tweeted out a screenshot of Wikipedia, and their comment on top was, "We didn't do this. We swear." And so it's the AFC Championship game, <laughs> the, and the Wikipedia screenshots as the AFC Championship game is the annual championship game of the American Football Conference, where one team gets to play the New England Patriots. <laughs> that is, that is well,
0: well done, and subtly enough so that most people are like, "Well, yeah," you just kind of breeze through it.
1: If I am the New England Patriots, is this eight? Straight? I'm taking
0: credit for that. Oh yeah, that's fantastic. Is yes. this eight straight? Sure it is, and I also saw a staff this week. Which and they go away. into
1: they go into Kansas City. Have you ever heard a game? And you hear a game in Arrowhead Stadium. Have you ever heard a game there? Loud, yes. It's shaking. Yep. It's you. You could you could measure it the way you'd measure an earthquake. It is so so tremulous.
0: I. I I like Kansas City in the game. I'm I'm wary to pick against uh, Tom Terrific, and I did see the sure. stat, which I'll throw out before we had to break. Tom Brady has played in more Super Bowls than he has road playoff games. Did you, did you see this one this week? I did not. I know he's three and four.
1: He's played in seven road AFC championship games. Then
0: he has played uh, road road playoff games. So some of those are at home. Some of those have been road games, those AFC title games.
1: No, no, no. I thought he was. Okay. So he's three and he's played in road playovers, three and seven. He's in played in more playoff.
0: Super Bowls than he's had road playoff games. That was the stat I saw.
1: Wow. Crazy, right? That's your Cy Young award How winner. about that? All right. We'll take a break. Rosenblum and Esposito from the Cubs convention, Chicago sports radio, 670. The score. We get it.
0: Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio.